He's so worthy. He's so worthy. Wow. Jesus, we are not in, we just, I just declare that we are not in preach mode right now. We're in you mode. We're in Jesus mode. We're in Jesus mode. Wow, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I was just um, sharing. Just stay in that place, please. Don't look at me. Just stay in that place. It's not worth it. Just, just stay in that place. Please, always, never leave that place. I was just, wow, God, wow. I was just sharing this morning um, about how yesterday I bumped into this lady where I live, and a few days before, I'd seen her selling the big issue outside Waitrose. And, um, and I went, when I went, I had chatted to her for a while, and while I was in there, I was queuing up to get some... Uh, cash back so I could give her some money and, and I just took a moment to just bask in his love for her. That's a great thing to do. It only takes a moment. It's all it takes. It doesn't cost us much. It just costs us a moment to just bask in his love for, wow, God. And, and I just came out, and then I came outside and I just said to her, um, you have something going, down this, going on down this side of your body and it's damaged nerves resulting from childbirth. And she said, how do you know that? She was like, what? I was like, well, I don't know anything, actually, but God knows everything about you. And he's releasing grace into your body right now. Well, when I saw her again yesterday, you can guess what happened, right? It was good news. I'll just say that. But I was sharing that this morning in the 9 a.m., and then I went into some words of knowledge. Well, actually, I think it was only one word of knowledge, but it was about arthritis in someone's hands being healed. And a few, few people put their hands up, <clears throat> and this lady came up to me at the end, and she's not been able to clench her fists like that for years. And she goes, I can just do this now. Uh, no one prayed for her, nothing like that. Now, you know, it's easy because we, we're spoilt for choice with testimonies here, aren't we? But it's very easy for us to become familiar with them, isn't it? I think a great way to receive a testimony is to imagine you are that person. Imagine you've got agony in your hands and you haven't been able to do that for years. And you come to, to church today. It's just a normal day at church, right? It is a normal day at church. But you come and then in a moment in the presence, you're healed and you just got freedom coming back. He's so good. He's releasing that grace right now in Jesus' name. I see cysts being dissolved off people's bodies right now. I see cysts. Some people who've had like, like growths that have been there a long time, and the Lord is actually dissolving those right now in Jesus' name. It's happening right now. I see airways opening up. People with like um, breathing difficulties, I just see those airways opening up right now. The Father's doing it right now. Wow, God, thank you. Just releasing a fresh baptism of fire right now in your body. It's a baptism of fire right now in your body. Wow. Thank you, Father. There was also a word shared um, during the worship about ears, not just physically being healed, but also spiritually being opened up. And I think a lot of the time I preach, I actually do see um, ears opened up, like partial hearing loss or deafness. So the Lord is actually doing that right now. It's just... Popping ears open right now. It reminds me actually of um, 
there was a conference a couple of years ago, and I shared about how in the worship, I didn't know what I was talking about, but I just said, oh, there are people here that are actually going to be able to hear angels. God's giving you the ability to hear angels sing. And then somebody came up to me after and said, I, I, it happened. I could hear angels singing. So God is releasing that right now. If you will partner your faith with that, that's all it takes is our minds to agree. There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing else I have to do. Our minds just agree with him. And he's going to do it. Amen? Wow, God. Thank you, Father. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. There's just an alignment coming to someone's vertebrae right now. There is an alignment coming to... Wow, he's releasing fire down someone's... I see fire going down someone's neck and their whole back right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Wow. Thank you, Lord. As you start to feel stuff... I haven't actually said this for a while when I've been preaching, but I want you to interrupt me today. Because the Lord is, I love his interruptions. They're way better than whatever I was doing. And actually, the Lord is actually releasing healing. If you will actually keep in mind throughout this message, yeah, that he's doing it. He's doing it right now. It's happening. Just say, it's happening. It's happening right now. It's happening right now. Just keep, keep your attention focused on the right thing. And as you feel the Lord touching your body... Raise your hand in the air to let me know, because it's important. Wow, what's happening? Wow, a knee got healed during the worship. That's amazing. Wow. Wow, that is so good. I could just go home now. That's just a good day already. Wow, God. <laughs> oh, he's so good. Oh, do you want to turn to Matthew 6? I ran out of time this morning. I didn't realize. I think we used to have like 40 minutes. We now have 35. So the end of it was like I had to speed up. It's like... So um, I'm going to try and not do that this time. Wow, God. Thank you. for. I feel like what the, I shared this morning, that I feel like the Lord is saying that as we've entered into this new decade, that we're entering into a season of intentionality. And I really feel like people are going to be um, making different priorities in their lives. And actually, people who've even been familiar with this kind of church environment, this kind of movement for a long time, actually, there's something that's going to be shifting in your life. I actually feel like some of you already know what I'm talking about because he's doing it already. And you're actually, you've come into this new year and you go, do you know what? It's almost like that it becomes what you, what, what you couldn't see before suddenly becomes really clear about what I need to do and what I need to choose in my life. And I feel like we've been part of this incredibly important revelation for the last few decades about the unconditional love of the Father. And it's something that previous revivals didn't have necessarily. They had a hunger, but they didn't have that revelation. And one of the things, I guess, that the side effects of something like that, a revelation of the unconditional love and goodness of God, is we can just think, oh, cool, it's already done. I'm just going to turn up, right? And apathy can set in. But the Lord is saying that now he's releasing an intentionality. That intentionality of the old revivals where there was, like, there was nothing but Jesus, that nothing is good enough but Jesus. I just only want Jesus in my life, in every part of my life. And, and I feel like he's saying that 
the things that I need to do in the world today, I cannot do them with well-meaning orphans. It had to happen this way. I can only do them with children, because only children know that the presence of my love is unconditional. And that is the way that a revival gets sustained. <clears throat> that is nice. It's, just <laughs> it's really nice. Wow. <laughs> it's so nice. <laughs> wow. So, you're probably familiar with this prayer. It's called the Lord's Prayer. And in verse 9, he says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We all know that, of course. Now, I'm going to kind of almost split this. So like the first half is about your kingdom come. The second half is your will be done. We're so familiar with those lines, but I just want to go over it afresh today. And my question is, initially, is why did Jesus teach us to pray for something that God already wanted and, in fact, was already doing? He was already releasing the kingdom. Why did Jesus teach us to ask for something that the Father already wanted and was already releasing? And the answer is partly because unlike what we are commonly taught in songs that we sing sometimes in Christian media, the issue being dealt with here is not whether the kingdom is come. It's not whether the kingdom is here. It's whether our minds are up there. It's about whether our thought life is aligning with his. I was... uh, Last year, um, I think it was at the end of the summer, I was preaching in an evening service, and I shared something that had just happened to me and just hit me literally like two weeks before that that preach. And um, basically it's because um, a few, sometimes something that I see when I'm kind of praying or worshipping is I see these kind of like white, almost like white orbs like appear and sparkles and stuff like that. And there's been a few times in my life where they've actually been really, really big, almost like a star just like appeared in the room. But it's, it's not like I'm seeing it spiritually. It's like, it's, so, it's like I'm looking at you now. And the first time I saw it, I actually thought there was a camera malfunctioning in the corner and flashing. So I ran over to the corner and I was trying to find this thing for about half an hour till I realized, oh. And the thing is, is that I had no grid for that at all, no frame of reference, and I had no idea what it was forever. For, for like a decade. And it happened a few times. And then so last summer, just before I'm about to preach, I just happened to be watching a YouTube video about Bob Jones. And I don't know if you know about Bob Jones, but he's, he's with the Lord now. But he um, was a prophet, and he used to go into heaven every day. Every day. Did you hear that? Every day. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. And in this video... He's, this lady called Patricia King, who's a prophet as well, is talking, to, is talking about an experience she had where one day she's interviewing him and she asks him, like, how does that happen? And he just says, by faith. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, she, and he goes, well, we can do it right now if you like. She's like, right now? He's like, yeah. And so he takes her by the hand and she just sat, stood there with her eyes closed and she's, yep, nothing's happening. Just standing there with my eyes closed. And then suddenly, she sees this small little white dot appears. 
And then it starts to grow, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And she's like thinking, wow. And then he says, you can see that? And she's like, what, you can see that? And he's seeing what she's able to see. And, but then for her, that, it ended at that point. But then um, he explains to her, that's how it happens. I just believe by faith, and then that white dot grows and ends up being this, becoming this tunnel. And I go into it, and then I'm standing before Jesus talking to him. And I'm watching this YouTube video, and I'm like, I'm so, such a dummy. I, I've totally missed an invitation for like 10 years. And I felt like it was important for me to share it, because the timing of it, I actually believe, wasn't just because I was being a dummy. It's actually because it's something that God was releasing now. And I said that, I actually like kind of prophesied that, I believe that this is going to become normal for Eastgate. This is going to become the normal for people at Eastgate to actually have heavenly encounters and experiences where you actually have conversations with Jesus in heaven. And that is going to be a normal thing going on around here. So I shared that. And then um, I think it was a couple of weeks after that, um, I was hosting one morning. And some friends of ours, their mum has recently received um, a very un- an unfavorable diagnosis, let's say. And they said, oh, could you pray for her at the end of the service? So this is when we're all, everything's all finished, the music's all stopped, we're all just having our coffees and chatting around. You'd have no idea that this is going on, right? And I had no idea this is going on. And um, I, I met, we're standing over there. All I, I don't really remember what I did, but I think I just put my hand on her head and just said the word fire. And she goes down on the floor, and I figure, okay, when people go down on the floor, I figure that's good. Like, I don't need to see that, but when that happens, I generally think, okay, I'm going to get out of the way and let God take over. And that was it. And we're all just milling around having our coffee. You wouldn't have been any the wiser. Next week, I'm walking down the stairs on the Sunday, and she comes up to me and she goes, you, you don't know what happened. And I was like, no. She goes, when I went down, when I went down on the ground, it's like, it was like she left this place and she was suddenly completely unaware of being in this environment. And she's in this different place and she's standing in front of Jesus, talking to him face to face. She actually sees loved ones that have passed away in heaven now with him. And she says, Lord, are you, are, you, are you calling me home? And he goes, I am, but not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Her friend who's with her, at one point puts her hand on her while she's lying down, just to kind of almost like comfort her or something. The second she touches her, she goes into a heaven experience, just from touching her. It's so good. No one knew what was going on. We're just drinking coffee. And... People are going to heaven in the corner of the room. <laughs> um, she went into that experience, understandably, completely consumed by fear, and left it completely full of peace. Completely full of peace, because she just met the, her creator, and he just told her what was going down. <laughs> she, she was in, the, in a hospital bed, apparently, about a week or so after I think like having had tests or something like that and waiting for a doctor and actually complaining that the angels next to her in the bed were taking up all the space. (laughs) (laughs) That's no joke. 
<laughs> Why am I sharing stories like this? Because God wants you to know that he wants this for you more than, way more than you do. Way before you even had an inkling of a desire. He was desperate for, it, for you. He already wants it way more than you do. The biggest thing that we can do is just change the way we think. We can't earn this stuff. You cannot earn this stuff. It's already yours. What does the kingdom, when it comes, what does it look like? Well, the kingdom is really the dominion of the king, right? The reign of the king. The establishment of his kingdom. So that means things like sickness, lack and limitation, they're not just eradicated, but they're actually replaced with a new order. This is really important because we tend to think of those things as just being removed. But they're actually replaced with righteousness, peace, and joy. So this is an important thing, like, you know, when you think about the whole area of healing and you know, I get asked about things like, well, you know, what happens when someone got healed and it came back? It's a commonly asked question, right? Well, to talk about that properly, I'd probably need to talk for about an hour. But one of the things is we probably need to stop, stop believing it's possible for them to come back. We have great faith that they might come back. And part of the problem is... I think that we think that what we experienced in that moment of healing was like a decrease in sickness. Or, uh, yeah, like the the sickness went down, the sickness decreased. What we actually experienced, though, was an increase in the kingdom. That is a fundamental difference. It's not the absence of darkness. It's the presence of light. And when that kingdom took up residence, those cells, in those cells, it evicted the darkness. But why is that important? Because when it took up residence, there was nowhere for that thing to come back to. You understand what I'm saying? It's filled up now with kingdom. Sorry, darkness. Nowhere for you to go. Now, Where is the kingdom? The kingdom is in the presence, right? It's in the presence. Now, he prays here, your kingdom come. Notice that that is not a request. It's a declaration. It's a declaration. Think about it this way. As someone who carries the presence of God inside you, Where you go, that dominion is established. That dominion is being established where you go. So everywhere I go, I get to declare that the kingdom has come upon you. I get to declare that the kingdom has come upon you. So when you see a lack or absence of the kingdom, it should be the conviction in all our hearts. No, not anymore. Not not now that I'm here. Not now that I'm here. Now that I'm here, sickness, poverty, addictions, these things have to go. 
Even things like people who are just currently dying in their unbelief. As I enter that environment, the fragrance of heaven is being released and they, things are shifting. You get to, we get to, you and I get to look those things in the eye and say the kingdom. Do you know what? The kingdom of God has come upon you. Isn't that what Jesus did? He went around healing the sick, raising the dead, setting people free, and declaring and effectively explaining what was happening. The kingdom of God has come. The problem is we often read this prayer that he taught us to pray as if it's an instruction by God to persuade God. That doesn't really make much sense, does it? Because it's not about persuasion. It's about union. That, that's what this is about. So the minute I start trying to persuade him to do something that he actually died for, I've totally misunderstood the cross. I've totally misunderstood the price he paid. I have an inferior revelation of the finished work of the cross. When I understand that everything I will ever need and every need I come across, he already paid the price for that. It starts to be less God do something and more, do you know what? I'm only ever one good thought away from my breakthrough. I'm only ever one, it doesn't matter what I'm going through. And it doesn't deny the reality that I'm going through it or that you're going through it, but I'm only ever one good thought away from your breakthrough. That's all it is. It's just one good thought away from accessing the breakthrough that he's already released. That's a good word. Like when it comes to things like healing, even in an environment and a culture like this, often our prayers are still rooted in some way, in trying to persuade him to do something. It's true. But he says, no, I died for that. That thing that matters to you, I died for it. I actually died for it. I saw it. I saw it before the beginning of time, and I said, you know what? I'm going to come, and I'm going I'm I'm to pay for it. I'm going to die for it. It's, see, it's no longer an external job. He's made the resources freely yours. The only thing missing is our heart. So the challenge isn't getting him to release things like healing, provision, whatever it might be. The challenge is letting him make me like him on the inside out so that his compassion can flow through me. Because where his compassion is, his resources always are. I think, you know, when it comes to things like us experiencing, when we come together in times like this, and we come with a sense of expectancy about experiencing his presence together, you know, the smartest thing that we can do is realize that he wants it way more than we do. Like, that is the smartest starting point you can have, is realizing that he already wants it way, way before you even thought about it. He wants it way more than you do. You know, one of the things that, to be honest, kind of grieves me is when I hear Christians still praying for a fresh outpouring 
Like, I, the heart of it is good, but the theology is bad. Was the one that he did 2,000 years ago temporary? Was it insufficient? Did it end? Does, the, does, does it say somewhere in here that it stopped? Did it say that the heavens opened and then at the end they closed again? It's still happening. Pentecost is still happening. But am I still happening? Am I aware of it? You know, people say, people sometimes ask, if, you're, if you are someone who sees kind of miracles and healings happen a lot, so people ask, how does that happen? How do you go from being someone that didn't see that happen in everyday life to someone who did? Let me tell you a secret. It is not about you. It's not about a special anointing. I actually... That is nonsense. The idea of individual anointings, I can't find that in the New Testament. If you find it, come and tell me. It's an Old Testament mindset that we've lifted into the New Covenant. In the New Testament, he said, it says it repeatedly, you have the anointing, plural. You corporately now have the anointing. The only difference is I'm actually really starting to believe that. I'm just starting to believe that. And some days I wake up and I do have some stinking thoughts and I make a point of correcting those thoughts because I know that this is the truth and the truth will set me free and the truth will set other people free as well when I come into contact with them. We don't need a fresh outpouring. We need a fresh response to the outpouring that is already there. My job is not to ask him to do what he's already done. My job is to increase my value and my awareness of it so that it becomes manifest. That's a fundamental difference. A while ago, I think it was in October, there was uh, one night, it was about 11 o'clock at night. I wasn't doing anything particularly holy. I was actually reading BBC Sport on my phone and I was brushing my teeth at the same time. And then I was walking toward, finished that and I was walking towards my bed. And I just, on my way there, I just, I just sensed his goodness and I stopped. That is a good thing to do. Wow. In fact, I'm just going to do that right now. <laughs> wow, God. And as I did that, I just, it just felt like, wow, what I paid attention to increased. So I decided I'm just going to stop right here for a while. And I sat on the floor and just, I'm going to just enjoy his goodness. And then at first I thought I was imagining it. And then I realized I wasn't. This like mist starts to appear before me and it gets thicker. And then all these sparkles start appearing in it. And it's basically like this cloud of his presence starts appearing before me. Some of you are going to be like, what on earth is he talking about? (laughs) I don't know what, I didn't know what to do. But I just enjoyed it. And it went on for a few minutes. And the next morning, I think it was, at one point, I just had this thought, which is like such a dumb thought. I was like, I was like God, what did I do? <laughs> uh, I could almost hear him laughing as he said, it's really not what you did. But I am liking what you're starting to believe. You know, quite something that's happened to me, and this actually started happening when I was a new believer, but I, I didn't know what was going on, is 
Sometimes when I'll be praying, I'll just see a mist will fill the room. Like this faint mist will start to fill the room around me. And it actually happened a couple of days ago. My kids were in the front room watching Netflix. I was like, guys, come out here. <laughs> and they, started, they were like, oh, yeah. Now, what, what, did I become some kind of like prayer warrior at some point? Did I, did I start fasting for this? No. But I just started believing that it's already mine. And he wants me to experience it way more than I do. I'm just starting to believe that. I've got so much further to go. But if that's all it takes is just to believe that he paid for that for you. Because you're his son and daughter. If I'm not convinced of that, then I don't really understand the cross, the fullness of it. I might understand the part that, yes, he did it to save me from going into destruction. But he did it for so much more than that as well. I feel like the Lord is saying that breakthrough is going to come because he's going to transition us from believing that it's about getting him to do something to believing that he's already done it. And that is going to change everything. You know, when we come together and we behave as if he's not in the room, like we want him to be in the room, we love him. But we behave, we posture ourselves, we worship as if he's not in the room quite, or he partially is, but not properly. In my opinion, that's not really Christianity. I know that sounds controversial, but I would say Christianity is to be completely oriented around the person of Christ. So when, I, when we come together and we, we almost orient ourselves around the absence of Christ rather than Christ, there's something not quite right about that. You know, it's very easy for heaven on earth to become the strapline of this movement. We've all heard it so many, on, so many times and become so familiar with it. It's not like we don't know what it means, but we can become too familiar with it. And I wonder, how prepared are we to pay the price to see that happen in the world around us? How, how, how much do we count the cost of what that will be? And that's <clears throat> something that I think the previous revivals got right. They, they, didn't have this, they didn't have this revelation of the goodness of God in the same way that we are blessed to have. But they did have this thing where they, were, they would pay any price for it. Any price. Now, if, if we come to this with this mindset of, oh, it's unconditional. It's unconditional. It's, I already have it. It's unconditional. The, the flip side to that is we can get apathy. You know, Bill Johnson is famous for saying that what you tolerate dominates. Now, as someone who, who says that they live for heaven on earth, maybe a good thing to ask myself is, where am I tolerating hell on earth? It's all around me. Where am I tolerating it? Have I got really good at walking past it and becoming indifferent and immune to it? Sickness, poverty, people who are just like, 
as far as I know, they could be dying in their sins. Moral decline, social problems. Or even the fact that in this age of distraction or many, many comforts, I let those things get in the way of what he paid for me to receive. Do I tell myself that because I intend the church like this, that that's enough? I just want to turn quickly to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6, because it's going to be helpful. The update is I am doing bad for time again. I haven't even got on to 30 minutes on part one. Got four minutes for part two in a minute. Right. So the general gist of this is that the ark of God was captured by the Philistines. And this is in the reign of King David. And they've got it back. And it's being brought back to Jerusalem. Wow, that's impressive. Um, So... They're carrying the ark back. Now, I'm going to jump down to verse 6 to save time. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah And to this day, that place is called Perez Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing. Everyone say, he was not willing. He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it aside. Let's say, he took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Now, we don't have time to go too much into that. But if you want to live a present-centered lifestyle, don't expect convenience. And don't expect what you expect. David, something happened that offended David. He gets offended and he shifts his perspective. And for a moment, someone who is known as a worship, true worshiper, for a moment, his appetite for the presence shifted. This, this, was actually, this verse was actually given to Kate and I on our wedding day as a prophetic word. And when it was given, it was said about how, imagine what it was like if you're in your home and you've got this massive ark, this massive box in your living room and it's just blocking everything, and it's getting in the way. You, just, you, can hardly, you have to move all the other furniture out of the way, and you can hardly get around the house. And you really, you've seen that it's not a good idea to touch it, right? It's not convenient. But when you make a point of doing that, everything gets blessed. Everything gets blessed. Now, at some point or another... I think there are two kinds of believers when it comes to the presence. Those who will want it and value it, whatever the cost, and those who filter their appetite through their own understanding. If we limit our value for the presence, 
to what, what we understand, sooner or later, we'll come across something we don't understand and we'll get offended and we'll push it aside. So which one do you want to be? Right. Four minutes. Let's go. That was all your kingdom come. Your will be done. What is the will of God? Well, Pete talked about this a few weeks ago. Um, he referenced 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, verse 16. And it's these three things, isn't it? Abide in joy. Pray all the time. Live from thankfulness. So live from joy. Choose to abide in joy. Stay con- continually connected to God. And live from thankfulness. Which, by the way, thankfulness is the antidote to spiritual blindness. What do those three things, though, have in common? Well, you could look to, I think, to get the answer, we look at another verse. Romans 12, 2 is another famous verse for talking about the will of God. Because it says, be transformed. And we know that that word also means transfigured, right? Same word that's used to describe what happened to Jesus on the mount. Be transfigured by the renewing of your mind. And then it goes on to say, and you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Have you ever read that and just thought, okay, that's great. But how do I renew the mind? It's a very familiar verse, but how do I renew the mind? Well, you might say, well, read the Bible. That is a good start. But how many Christians do you know who read the Bible and don't have renewed minds? Too many, right? I would suggest that 1 Thessalonians 5 is almost like an expansion of Romans 12. You renew the mind by abiding in joy. Choose to abide in joy. You renew the mind by staying continually connected to God. And you renew the mind by choosing to live from thankfulness. If you do these three things, your mind will be renewed. What happens when we do them? Our mind gets changed, our thinking gets changed, and then what? We get transfigured like Jesus on the mountain. Now, what did Jesus tell his disciples before he went up on the mountain? He said, you're about to see the kingdom come. Remember what Jesus is teaching us in this prayer. He said to them, you're about to see the kingdom come. So the transfiguration was the manifestation of the kingdom coming. So when you renew your mind and you're transfigured, the kingdom is coming all around you, through you. So going back to this prayer, when he teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, what are we actually asking God to do? I believe we're actually asking him to renew our minds. For our minds to be renewed, because when that happens, what happens? We become, Romans 12, 2, the evidence of God's will. We become the evidence of God's will. Our mind gets changed, we get transfigured, the glory of God on us manifests around us for the world to see, we become the evidence of God's will of what a son and daughter looks like for the world around us. And that's a good word. Right, we've got one minute. If, I just want to pray for you, if you would stand for a moment. I believe that If this resonates with you today, I believe there's people that God wants to send you out afresh today. Like he's already sent you out. It's not like you, 
It's not to invalidate what you've already been doing. It's been amazing. But he wants to send you out afresh as an ambassador of heaven on earth. And some of you maybe have been part of a culture of like this for years and maybe God is stirring something new. Maybe some of you have actually, you're actually realizing, you know what, a little bit I've been coming, going along for the ride. Listen, I'm preaching to myself because I, for about 10 years now, I've gone around and in daily lives, I've seen people get healed, saved, miracles. But the Lord's been saying to me, are you happy with your lot, Dave? Are you happy with your lot? You just want to continue like that? Or are you going to ask me for your city? I think it's time for us to ask for the cities that surround us, the towns and the cities, because I think he's going to say yes. He's going to say yes to people who will ask. Do you know what? Not many people actually ask. You know, one of the biggest signs of heaven and earth is people who will say yes and no. Yes to nothing else but you and no to anything that will get in the way. So, Father, right now, I just release, right now, I just release a fresh fire for your kingdom, God. I release a fresh fire for your kingdom right now in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we just say yes. Lord, we say yes to Ebsfleet. We say yes. We say yes. Will you give us Ebsfleet, Lord? Will you give us Gravesend? Will you give us London? Will you give us the United Kingdom, God? Because we are willing to do whatever it takes, Father. We are willing to do whatever it takes. And we are not posturing ourselves from a, please, will you pour it out? We're posturing ourselves from a, we know you've already done it, but will you stir our hearts, God? Will you stir our hearts afresh, God? Will you stir our hearts afresh? Thank you, Father. You're so good. Amen.